Uh, we're going to be in Mark chapter 12. We're going to be looking at verses 41 through 44. And uh, I have to admit to you, as much as I was feeling convicted last week, I was feeling even more convicted this week as we approach the sermon topic for this morning. There are a few things that I don't like speaking about. Uh, the top of that is money. And this morning, we're going to see Mark's account where Jesus enters the temple and he sees a widow who gives money and rich people who give money and the condition of their heart. And so this morning, as we come to the text, there is a reality that we all need to see. We all invest in something. We all invest in something. How many of you have retirement accounts? Okay. How many of you spend money on groceries? How many of you like to go shopping? Oh, Rachel's like, yeah. (laughs) Each one of us is spending money and putting money into something. And the question that we have to answer this morning is, what are we investing in? Many of us are planning for what is going to happen after our retirement, after what happens when we decide that we no longer want to work and spend time in the workforce. And we spend so much time and energy and effort making sure that our profile and our portfolio matches something so that we can live the life that we hope to live after we are done working. But the question that I want to ask you this morning is, are you investing in how you can live right now in the kingdom of God and for his glory? So read along with me. Follow along as I read from Mark's account in Mark 12, verses 41 through 44. The big idea is that biblical giving, giving of our money, is a way to express worship to God in all that we have and all that we are. Mark 12 says this, And he sat down opposite the treasury, and he watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And the poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him, and he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Please just join me in another moment of prayer as we consider God's word this morning. Father, we pray that you would help us to reveal your heart. God, this morning we pray that you would help us as we come to your word to be open books. God, expose the areas that we need to grow in. Help us to see the areas that we are having success. Help us confront the idols that are in our lives. And Lord, help us to make decisions that are biblical and that honor you. Amen. Amen. So like I said this morning, the big idea for this passage in Mark 12 is that biblical giving is a way to express, to worship to God in all that we have and all that we are. Uh, I wanted to pass around a a little gift uh, that I got from Fred uh, Brehant. These are three widow's mites. David actually has some widow's, uh, a widow's mite. Uh, that he and Kimberly got when they were in Israel. So I wanted to show you what these uh, coins look like. So I'm going to pass this around on this side. David's going to pass his around on that side. Uh, You get to see firsthand how small these coins are and uh, what they were like in the first century. It's pretty pretty incredible. 
Uh, but I, I want to first walk us through the, the passage and see some of the things that are right here in the text. And then I want to leave us uh, with some, some practical application. How does this text affect who we are as a church at this moment? And so I said at the beginning that we all invest in something. And the question is, what are we investing in? And, and so first, let's look at verse 41. Here's what the text tells us. It says that he sat down opposite the treasury and he watched the people putting money into the offering box. So the first thing that we need to see in this text is that Jesus sees everything. Jesus sees everything. He's in the temple. He's sitting in actually what they would call the court of women uh, where the offering boxes would be placed. And he is watching as people come in to this area of the temple. And what he sees is people putting money in the offering plates. You've you've probably noticed here at Church of Hope, we have plates, but we don't pass them around. And we, we, by faith, trust that the Lord will provide our finances through the giving of his people. And we don't say anything about it, really, in the service whatsoever. In fact, it was one of the things that I really enjoyed about this church when I came to visit for the first time. Uh, Just to help out. I was like, wow, there's no offering time. There's no money that's being passed around. Uh, There's no big conversation every week of, hey, here's what you have to give, why you have to give. Uh, Money was kind of just on the back of of everyone's minds here. And I I just really appreciated that. But the first thing that we need to see is that nothing goes by Jesus. We've seen this through the the account of Mark's gospel. We have to know that this passage right here is not separated out of the uh, rest of the context of Mark 11 and 12. In Mark 11 and 12, Jesus has been battling with the Pharisees and the scribes. They've confronted him on his authority. They've confronted him in his teaching. They've asked him questions to try to catch him in his words. They're trying to set him up to kill him. And every time as Jesus has been confronted with uh, an attack on his authority and his character and his teaching, he has seen everything coming. Friends, we serve in an omniscient God. He is everywhere at all times. He is all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He sees everything. Nothing goes by Jesus. And it's interesting because Jesus, as he sits in the temple, he is watching as the people come in. He's intentional about what he's observing going on in this activity. And the verse in verse forty-one, it tells us that many rich people put in large sums. And then in verse forty-two, we're introduced to a poor widow who came in and put in two small copper coins, like the coins that you just saw this morning. And it tells us that they make a penny. So Jesus contrasts two groups of people: the rich and the poor. This is a theme that happens throughout the Gospels. Jesus is often saying that the kingdom of God is for those who are poor in spirit. The kingdom belongs to those who don't have everything, but are looking for everything in Christ. And the first thing that we see about these rich people is that they're putting in large sums. Uh, In other uh, accounts through the other Gospels, there's even one story in the Gospel of Luke where someone comes into the temple He's, a, he's rich and he's clothed well and he comes in beating his chest as there's a sinner who's up front and he says, God, thank you that I'm not like him. 
Thank you that I have my stuff together. He brings in large sums of money and he drops them. And he says, look at what I have brought to you, God. But he comes in in pride. And so he brings a large sum of money, but he doesn't bring his heart. He doesn't bring what God really wants in the first place. Uh, Friends, hear this second truth. God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need it. He's the creator of the universe. He speaks and creation comes into existence. Our father owns a thousand cattle on a hill. All of the riches in the world could not measure to how rich we are in Christ and in God and knowing him. God lacks for nothing, but what he wants is worship. So this morning, one key truth that we need to see in the life of the church is that when we give financially, we are giving out of an act of worship. This is an act of worship that we are participating in. We come into the temple. The, these people enter the temple, the place we're there to come and to worship God, the center that represents God's rule and reign and his power and his justice and his might. And they come and they bring money. And they're not just bringing money because they're dropping something at the door. They're not trying to check off the box. They're bringing their money because they're coming in worship. And I, I don't know about you, but there are often times that my bills come around and I do not worship. <laughs> The Lord and I have some really good conversations in the week. <laughs> I see the electric bill coming, and I go, oh my goodness, what's going on here? <laughs> the cable bill? You know which one kills me the most? The cell phone bill. Like, man, what is with these people? They get everything out of us. They bleed us dry. It's hard for us to think about money is something that we can worship God with because money is also something that we can hold on to and could lead us into a path of evil. All over the world, people use money for their own power and their own gain. All over the world, people are using money for their power and influence. Money is this delicate thing that can be used either for God's glory or to heighten our depravity. That as we come into this place, first and foremost, you need to see this. When we ask people to give, when we ask church members to give, and we tell visitors to visit, we are asking them to worship God. We're not saying, hey, we need your money because we have to fulfill this operation. We have to pay for utilities. Yes, that's true. We have to pay for the things that we do in kids' ministry and to have salaries, and to have staff members. These are true things. But guys, we give not because of the list of things that we have to check off. We give to the Lord. And we give to his mission of making disciples. Friends, we are investing when we give. When we give, it is an act of worship to God in which we say, God, all of our needs, all of our resources, we are giving to you and trusting you with so that you can accomplish your work and will through us. Giving is an act of worship. And nothing passes through or passes by Jesus. 
He sees everything. So he observes the rich who put in large sums and the poor widow, she comes in and she puts in two small copper coins that make a penny. It's real obvious that there are going to be some of us that are going to be able to give more and some of us that won't be able to give as much. But see what Jesus teaches his disciples. In verse 43, he calls them. In other translations, they actually, they say this, that as he called his disciples to him, he said, Amen, I say to you. So this, the ESV translates it, Truly, I say to you, amen, I say to you. This poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. And then he teaches them, and he says in verse 44, For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Friends, when we talk about worship, we often talk about the need to give God all that we are. And sometimes that looks like our time. It looks like our, our resources and our, our skills, our abilities. It looks like when we serve in different capacities. We're all good about singing our hearts out to God. We're all good about reading the Bible. We're all good about prayer. We're all good about getting together. We, we even don't mind reaching out to people here and there. But if you start to say, hey, if you want to give all that you are to Jesus, it has to go even further than your action and into your investment. People start to go, ugh. There's two realities to money. Everybody needs it, and nobody wants to give it up. Right? Man, I know. I'm there. Everybody needs it, and they don't want to give it up. But if we truly say that if we're going to worship God with everything that we are, we have to be willing to give our whole life, and not just our emotional will, not just our physical will, not just what we do in singing or serving, but our whole life, every area. And you know what? There's also an opposite problem to this. Some people are really good at giving and not really good at serving. And that's an area that you need to look into the lens of the word of God and say, am I doing this to his glory? Each one of us can get caught in two things. There's two examples in the rich person and the poor person. We see that there's monetary value, that the rich people are putting in large sums of money. Okay, that's good logic, right? The poor people are putting in small sums of money. Again, good logic. But see what these two things represent. The rich person puts in out of their abundance. Abundance points to comfort. And the poor person puts out of everything that she owns because she is giving out of sacrifice. There are two ways and two motives behind what we give. We either give out of abundance, out of comfort, or out of sacrifice. The Bible has a whole lot to say about money. There's all sorts of principles in the Old Testament. You're probably familiar with tithing. We'll talk about that. In the New Testament, you don't see tithing, but it says that that the church actually even exceeded tithing. Everybody gave everything that they had to be distributed equally among the people. And so the Bible talks about comfort and sacrifice. 
And what God wants in us is not just for us to worship him comfortably. He wants us to worship him sacrificially. Let's see how this translates through the big story of the Bible. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Let's look to creation. God created the world out of his goodness and his mercy. Adam and Eve had every resource in front of them to walk with God, to enjoy him, and to have community with him forever. But their greed led them to rebellion. They didn't want money. They wanted the knowledge of good and evil. And so they tried to take what was not rightfully theirs. Later in Genesis, we see the story of Abraham and Isaac. As Abraham goes to the mountain, God tells him that in order to worship him, to know that he is with him, he wants him to sacrifice his son. And there could have been 500 ways that Abraham could have brought some sort of sacrifice to God, whether it would be through an animal, maybe not his son, right? (laughs) Something that costs him dearly. But Abraham worships God. Why? Because he sacrificed the thing that was very dear to him, the most dear to him, his own son. Let's look to redemption. We literally say that Jesus has become the propitiation for our sins. He has paid our debt. He has paid what we owe to God in our rebellion and sin. We're separated to him, uh, from God, and we, we owe him, but we can't pay him back. There's a debt that we cannot afford, and Jesus comes, and he pays the debt that we could not pay. So he calls, God calls his followers early through Genesis. And we see it in the testimony of Abraham. We see it in the testimony of Moses. We see it in the testimony of Joshua and the judges, all through the prophets who speak to God's people and say, here's what it looks like for us to worship God. We have to sacrifice. And they receive grief and pain and suffering. But God does his work. And then God calls, as God calls those people, he matches their call and exceeds it. It's like a good game of poker, right? uh, You got your cards out. I've never played poker, ever. (laughs) Texas Hold'em, what? (laughs) Uh, you, You have your cards, everything's out. It's that final call. It's you and one other person. You can either fold or go all in. God goes all in with us. If we look at what we've got in our sin and our rebellion and our separation from God, we look at what God's got, oh man, we're in trouble. His resources far exceed ours. But you know what he was willing to do? He was willing to sacrifice it all to save us. He saves us through the blood of Jesus. Jesus' blood covers us. It redeems us. It purchases us in such a way that not only has our debt been paid, we now stand in the righteousness of Christ. We didn't just get our bill paid off. It's not just that we don't have a zero balance. Now we stand with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords with a bank account that far exceeds any number that the world can put to it. 
Our resources in Christ go from nothing to everything. To immeasurably everything. In such a way that Paul says, what height or depth can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus? Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And it all starts because Jesus was willing to sacrifice. And this poor widow sacrificed. She might have only had two pennies. Friends, in the room right now, you might only have two pennies. But when you give out of sacrifice and come to God and say, God, I know this is everything that I've got. I'm going to give it to you. That is when God blesses us. And when he sees us. And he honors us. Notice this, right? The, the prosperity gospel. The, the gospel where they say that we need this money to do this ministry so that we can reach these people, right? Where, where does it stop? They say, hey, we, there's this one guy. He, I need this much money for a jet so I can fly around and tell people about Jesus. And then every place he flies around and he goes to talk to people about Jesus, he's asking for more money. He's saying, like, hey, if you want God to bless you, you'll give to what I'm doing. Friends, here's where that goes wrong. It's like this subtlety that is very dangerous. Give to what I am doing, and God will bless you. No. Friends, give to what God is doing, and God will bless you. That's the truth of the gospel. That's the truth of kingdom ethics. That as we give to what God is doing, he blesses us. Because it's in his hands. So what does this look like in the life of the church? Let's talk about something that nobody wants to talk about for a moment. How do we give? I want to talk about giving with the right perspective and then giving with the right principles. And what I'm about to share with you actually came from a man that's way smarter than I am. His name's Danny Aiken. (laughs) So I'm going to trust uh, what he has said. He's a a great Bible scholar. And he he says a few things. First, I want you to notice that there are six principles or six purposes that God has for money. First, he says this. This is number one, friends. God wants to grow us spiritually by growing our faith. That's one of the purposes that God has for money, that he wants to grow us spiritually by growing our faith. As we give, our trust in God has to grow. If we give and we don't increase in our trust and faith, we're in danger. Second, God wants to finance his earthly ministry through us for his glory and our good. As we give, we do so to God's glory so that he can get glory here on earth as we minister and proclaim the gospel. But it also benefits us. Third, as we give, sorry, God unites Christians together. He unites those who have needs and those who have surplus. As we give to the Lord, we're giving and uniting together. Number four, God wants to reveal clearly his infinite power. God can take a small church like ours and he can use this small church in a way that his power is revealed 
in ways that we would never imagine. It's part of why we give, to see God's power on display. Number five, God wants to help give direction in our lives. As we give to the Lord, he provides us with direction. Our faith grows in him. Our trust grows in him. We continue to hear the word of God and submit to it. Number six is this. God wants to fulfill his promise to supply our needs. We give so that God can supply our needs. Those are just some purposes that God has for money according to the scriptures. Here are ways that we can have the proper perspective in giving. I'm going to read some verses with each one of these. First, the first proper perspective, the first right outlook is this. All that I am belongs to God. And this comes from 1 Corinthians 6, which says this, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20. Oh, boy. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. All that we are belongs to God. We're not only dependent on him, but we also are owned by him. We are the Lord's. And the price that he paid to purchase us was the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. We belong to God. That's the first good perspective. Second, all that is belongs to God. Hear these verses from Psalm 50. Verses 10 through 12. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world in its fullness are mine. All that is belongs to God. And we're accustomed to thinking of things and speaking of things like our possessions. I have a car. I have a home. I have a guitar. But all that is belongs to God. God provided those resources. He gave those resources. He created those resources. Third perspective. All that I am belongs to God. All that is belongs to God. Third, God has entrusted his possessions to me. Again, here from 1 Corinthians, from chapter 3, verses 21 through 23. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. And whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. Paul's speaking about the divisions that exist in the church of Corinth there. They're all going, hey, I'm, I'm with this guy, I'm with that guy. I belong to him, I belong to him. God has entrusted his possessions to us. And everything that we have, we should steward well for his glory. And the last one, God's possessions entrusted to me have a purpose. 
God's possessions entrusted to me have a purpose. First, they meet our personal needs. And, and in the book of Philippians, Paul writes and, he, and he, he says to them, they provide an offering, and he says, thank you for providing with your, your offering, but at the same time, no thank you. I'm very thankful that you've given to me, but God has provided what I have needed. So thank you for giving to what God is doing and trusting him, but he has met my personal need. They're intended for our support as well as for those dependent on us. And Paul warned the, Timothy, he said this, he, he said, if anyone does not provide for his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. God's assets meet our personal needs. The second part of that, God's possessions have been entrusted to me. As they meet our personal needs, they also build and glorify God's kingdom through us. And Colossians 3, 23 and 24 speaks of this. It says, how we apply these assets is a matter of individual judgment and prayer since we alone are accountable to the Lord and our accountability extends into eternity. Are we building his kingdom? Are we trusting him with his resources? These are the proper perspectives that we need to have as we approach giving. First, all that I am belongs to God. Second, all that is belongs to God. Third, God has entrusted his possessions to me. And fourth, God's possessions entrusted to me have a purpose, to meet my needs and to build his kingdom. Now let's give with proper principles. What are the proper principles according to the scriptures? Friends, I want to tell you this. If you've been through our members class, we will tell you that we have financial needs, but in the interview process, the last thing we tell everyone is, we trust that you will give to the Lord. People sometimes start here, but what you give is between you and God. We're never going to tell you what to give. This is a conversation between you and the Lord. We'll tell you, here's what our needs are to fulfill our budget and to pursue what we believe the Lord has given us to accomplish his work, but what you give is between you and the Lord. So as we come to these principles, please do not hear me saying this is what you need to do. Let me provide you with resources, and then you need to take these resources and make a decision that you believe would honor God, that is the most biblical, and that will help you see through sacrifice and worship God's goodness and glory. So here are some principles. First, let's see giving through the lens of investing with God. Those of you that have a retirement plan again, yeah, who's got a retirement plan? You're investing, right? Hey, our church is investing. We have a, we have a, a, a fund, um, an endowment fund that we invest and that we, we play the money market. Is that what it is, right? Money market. I don't even know. I'm not, I'm not privy to those things that much. I just know it's there. <laughs> I try to stay out of those conversations. Uh, I trust David and Elke with that. <laughs> and Gene, too. <laughs> so, but first, we have to see that we are investing with God. When we give, it's an investment to God's kingdom and what he is doing. And here's the best part. While we can invest in our retirement and you can invest in a 401k or portfolios or, or stocks, you know, when you cash in a stock, it's an amazing thing because you get a return, Right? When we invest in God and what he is doing, our return isn't just temporal. It's eternal. 
our return is eternal. When we invest money in things that are perishable, we're consumed with maintaining them. How do I keep this going? How do I make this last? But when we invest with God, it unburdens us and deepens our relationship with him. So first, giving is to be viewed as investing with God. Second, if you cannot handle money, you will not be able to handle spiritual riches either. How we manage money is usually a reflection of our spiritual maturity and faith in God. This is a truth that scripture speaks about. God has said that he will meet our needs when we give. This comes from Philippians 4. But if we don't give, then we in essence call God a liar, which is a much more serious spiritual problem. If you can't handle money, you will not be able to handle spiritual riches either. Jesus said, if you look for the big things but you can't handle the little things, then you won't be able to handle them. Third, Giving is to be sacrificial. Again, we see the widow who gave everything, everything that she had. The essence of giving is sacrifice. And what does this teach us? Should we give one-tenth? No, we're to give sacrificially. True sacrificial giving is when we do without something we would otherwise have so that God's work will be advanced. True sacrificial giving is when we do without something that we would otherwise have so that God's work will be advanced. Giving is to be sacrificial. Third, or fourth, whatever number we're on now. Giving is not just a matter of what we have. It's not just a matter of what we have. Friends, Giving is about faithfulness. It's about faithfulness. Faithfulness is what pleases God. And you don't have to have large sums of money to please God. You have to be faithful in what God has given you and giving back to him. Faithfulness is what honors him and pleases him. You're all going to like this one. Each individual determines the amount to give. Each individual determines the amount to give. Giving is to be a worshipful and happy action of love and gratitude to a wonderful God. God is wonderful, and he is so good to give us what we have. It's not to keep some law or tradition. When we give, we are giving to a good and gracious and wonderful God. Some people rigidly and mechanically give 10%. Others give only in a token fashion with no real thought. And this is not God's way. Your giving should be done in an attitude of prayer and spiritual contemplation, asking the Father what he would have you to do each and every time. Giving isn't just checking off a box or saying, hey, I'm meeting my 10%, I'm doing the right thing. It's a matter of prayer and conversation with the Lord. Here's another principle. Giving can be in a response to a need. We see this especially throughout the book of Acts. So if a man comes to you with a need and you can help meet it, it's your Christian responsibility to do so. 
Give to the Lord regularly out of gratitude and joy, but also give in response to specific needs. A great example of this is Rachel and I and Kevin and Nadine. We just went to uh, the Real Ministries Banquet with Mike and Denisa Foster, missionaries in Romania. A couple of months ago, they were, they were doing this thing. Poor Mike shaved off his whole beard, right? This is Lovey's cousin. So she's like Team Denisa all about this, shaving off his giant beard, right? He had a huge beard. It was like down here and just like full and scraggly. And they said, hey, if we can raise this much money for our church, we're trying to buy a new sound system. We're trying to get this done. We need, we need X amount of dollars to get what we need. If we do that, I'll shave off my beard, right? Oh, man. The beard is like the glory of a man. <laughs> and Mike said, I'm going to sacrifice it. I'm going to shave it off if we can meet this need. And so people gave. I know I gave <laughs> just because I wanted to see how it would go. <laughs> but we gave to a specific need there. The next principle, giving should demonstrate love, not law. Hear this one. This one's super important. Giving should demonstrate love, not law. Love and gratitude to God for who he is and what he has done is the fountain out of which grace-giving is to flow. Giving comes from a place of love and not a place of law. Another one, giving should be planned. Giving should not be haphazard, but planned in an orderly fashion. We are to give regularly so that churches can meet needs as they arise. Rather than always pleading for some additional money through special offerings, giving is to be done systematically, proportionately, faithfully, as you have determined in your heart. You are to plan, pray, and prepare. Some people say that they give their time and talent to the church rather than their money. And it's a fine and right thing to give those, but it does not replace giving money. It's God's way of teaching you stewardship each week of your entire life. Giving is to be generous. As Christ has given to us, so should we give. Bow your knee, look to the cross, and then give. He gave his life for us. Giving is to be joyful. Giving is to come from an attitude of joy. And, and our attitude is important to the Lord as, as important as the act of giving itself. If we grumble as we give, we're grumbling as we go to God. So we give in joy knowing that God is our great provider and that he does and works in his way. Giving is to be complete. Total discipleship extends far beyond our financial giving to God. The New Testament clearly teaches total commitment in all areas of our life. And overemphasizing the, the tithe has cost us to miss this opportunity. We say if we give our 10%, if we meet that 10%, we're done, we're good, we've arrived. No, discipleship is about giving your all. So if you're a tither and you've been tithing for some time, consider giving more. Can you give more to grow and to see the Lord work in you in a way that makes you sacrifice? And if you don't tithe, can you start to try to reach that? Can you give out of sacrifice and see the Lord work through those things? And lastly, 
giving biblically always, always results in God's blessing because we're obedient to the word when we give. And when we're obedient, God always opens the way for his blessings to be experienced. My own personal testimony, guys, we, we live on a tight budget. We do. It's, it's just reality. Connecticut's an expensive state to live in. We have student loans. I, I could go on and on. <laughs> you all know expenses add up, but I'll tell you this. There are almost weekly moments where I go to log in to give online, and I type in those numbers and I say, oh, that's going to be tough. And every time I give, our budget is always met. I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't know where it comes from, but I know that God provides. And those moments where we've said, man, we, we've got a mortgage payment coming up. We've got this payment coming up. When we have not obeyed God's call to give, our money has gone like this. But the moments where we have given and trusted the Lord, it has been provided for. So this morning, our call is to be obedient to God. These are resources I want to lay in your hands and say, trust the Lord. Pray, 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 pray about how you give and when you give and how often that is. Pray about what you're giving. Is it sacrificial or is it out of comfort? Pray knowing that you're investing in God and his work. And know that our job together is to glorify God. And as we give, we continue to grow closer together in unity. We give to a great God for a great purpose, who is doing a great work, who will reign forever and ever. To him be the glory. Amen? Amen. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for these principles. God, maybe some of us came into this room this morning having an idea of what biblical giving looks like. God, maybe some of us tithe. I pray that you would help us to consider whether or not we should increase our giving out of sacrifice. God, some of us aren't meeting that. We pray that you would help us to trust you. And as we sacrifice to see your work, not just in the life of our church, but also in our own lives. God, we want to worship you with all that we are and all that we have. And so as we give, we give from joy, and we give knowing that you are infinitely more